saving the family. My brother was sending out his Christmas cards this past week, and I, was, I had the job of putting labels and stamps on there and stuff. And he always does something pretty funny. This year, it was a mock text exchange between him and his 15-year-old teenage son. And so it was kind of like this. He says, uh, he says to his son, what are you doing, playing Fortnite? And his son replies, as is usual, no, I'm grounded. He's like, well, how long? A fortnight. You know, like. <laughs> and he, he was saying how, like, I'm sending all these Christmas cards out to people that I don't even really know. <laughs> like, they're in our family. We got their address. Like, they came to our wedding. And there's people that are connected to us that, that we don't really know. And now people are expecting this. And so I, I need to do this. I need to send this out. Having a lot of names of people in our family that we don't know is, is common. It's, it's a little bit like hearing this gospel right now. I, I kind of just wanted to hear Father Dan read all those names. But, I, <laughs> but, but those, those names are, are people. They're, they're stories. They're, 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 it's part of our story. Like these are, these are our ancestors. That is part of the plan that God had from the beginning to bring us a Savior. That even at times when things seem to get off kilter or take a a wrong turn, that it was all part of God's plan. And so there's something powerful and important about knowing our story, knowing our our genealogy. I remember years ago, my dad, um, he got really into genealogy. And so I remember like walking through the living room and he's like, Matthew, come here. He's like, you know that you're traced all the way back to Adam. And I was like, well... Yeah, I know that. <laughs> and he's like, and here's how. <laughs> you know? and, he, and he's like, and you have like hundreds of saints in your line and dozens of kings and queens. And, and, and he's explaining all this stuff. Um, and, and I didn't quite get it, you know, because genealogy, it's like that sport that's one person and only that person cares about it. But like, I was like, <laughs> I was like, I don't, how does that pertain to me? But the reason he would always tell me about it was because this is how you got here. This is your story. That there's there's lessons to be learned here. There's there's important things that I want you to know. And so our families are given to us as part of his plan. Even with the wrong turns and the poor choices or, or whatever, that somehow it's our story. It's my story. And, and sometimes it's not always easy or pleasing or perfect. Uh, I saw this post this week uh, from a friend of mine, a friend of mine on Facebook, right? And she said, she was saying, it was kind of like a public service announcement. She was saying, um, just so you know, just a reminder that the holidays are not easy for everyone. That for some people, it's a reminder of a loss of somebody who's not there anymore. Or, or sometimes getting together with family members involves a lot more tension and difficulty than something that's uplifting and renewing. And she's like, just remember that when you go to your, your, your family reunions. Yet somehow God has given us specifically every person in our family for a reason. That they're part of the plan that God has to make us into the person he wants us to be, to, to bring about our salvation, 
through the people around us. We hear in the prophet Isaiah today, You shall be a glorious crown in the hand of the Lord, a royal diadem held by your God. You shall be called my delight, for the Lord delights in you. That to God, you and I are like a precious gem. But how, how, do, you, how do you get that precious gem? Well, they have, to, they have to be cut out, forged from a source. That the, the rough edges have to be kind of cut off. That they need to be sanded and polished. And then they're put in a place of prominence. And so it is with each of us that God has a plan to work through our families to mold us, to shape us into the person he wants us to be. That, that in loving the people around me that sometimes can be hard to love, that somehow God is working on me. Does that make sense? We, we all feel it. You don't have to nod because uh, there might be people near you. But like, you know, like... <laughs> but that's how it works, Right? That it's no accident. It's all part of the plan. That, that our families are a gift to us. Um, and so every person in this lineage that we hear today, it's part of the plan. But it, it's, it's worth looking at because it's not always as we would think it should be. First of all, the, the Old Testament, that as we read the Old Testament more and more, that each of these names will recall stories to us. And so as keep, keep reading your, your Bibles at home. But here's, here's some names. Like you probably recognize David, right? King David. Jesus is the new David. We heard in uh, our second reading. But, but it says that David, it says that Solomon's mother had been the wife of Uriah. How did David become the wife? How did he take the wife of Uriah? Do you remember that story? The story was that he saw Bathsheba bathing on the roof, and he said... I want her for me. So David, the good King David that God had chosen, did something really sinful, really shameful. He, he took this other man's wife for himself, and then he had Uriah sent out to the field on purpose where he would be killed. And then what does he do? He takes that woman, uh, Bathsheba, for himself. And God worked through that. We hear about Rahab, who was a foreigner in Jericho, who betrayed her own people so the Israelites could conquer. We hear about Tamar, who tricked Judah to sleep with her by acting like a prostitute. We hear about Ruth, who's a non-Israelite, who joins the chosen line. And it's this family line that Jesus wished to enter. Just as it is our families that Jesus wishes to enter where we would say, well, we're kind of inadequate, or we kind of blew it, or that was a really bad thing, and I'm still carrying that shame around me, God says, I don't care about that. I knew that was going to happen. And I was already working my plan to do something even better in your life, if you will let me. And so Jesus wants to go into our families. He wants to go into our mess that that's actually exactly where he chooses to come. That Jesus, who is divine, outside of time, he's impassable, unable to suffer, chooses to make himself human, humbles himself to be susceptible to suffering, so that as you and I go through suffering, that we wouldn't be alone. It's no mistake that Jesus 
chooses to come and he, he lies in a manger. What is a, what is a manger? It's a, the place where the animals would feed. It's a pretty lowly place. And it echoes in our hearts. It reminds me of uh, my favorite story, the prodigal son, where the prodigal son, he goes off, the father gives him freedom and says, if you don't want to be here, you don't have to be here. Listen, if, you, if, you, if your freedom takes you away from me, I love you and I respect your freedom, even if it takes you away from me. And so the son goes off, and, and where does that moment of insight, of clarity hit? When he's in the manger, he's eating with the pigs. It's suddenly in that place that the light bulb comes on and he feels drawn back home. That Jesus chooses to place himself in that man. He, he wants to go to the place where we feel farthest from God. He wants to go where we feel like we're in the darkness or we feel like we've messed up so bad that God would never take us back. Jesus comes to meet us at that place to be with us and to invite us home. And so Christmas is this joyous time where we're reminded of this gift that we've been given of Emmanuel, God with us. That we don't have a God who's, you know, so distant and doesn't care about us, but a God who desires a personal relationship with us and who chooses to come enter into our world, our mess, right where we are. That, that when, as I sit in darkness, that the light of the world desires to come. That when I sit in despair and discouragement, that God, who is hope, wants to come and enter in. A few weeks ago, we had a Newman Knight speaker, and he was talking about fear. And you even hear tonight that you know, the angel says to Joseph, do not be afraid. And he made this point. He said, you know, fear is very peculiar to humans. That, you know, dogs, for example, like if a dog is, we have a dog next door where we live, and, and it's always barking, you know, it's like, and the thought is, like, when the dog barks, it's for a reason. That there's, there's something out there. There's something making noise or something moving. But humans, we're afraid of things that may not be there. And so whether it's, you know, um, Fear of what's going to happen tomorrow, fear of the dark, fear before surgery. This, this speaker was saying that, that what makes a person be okay is if somebody they, somebody they know loves them comes and holds their hand, that the fear will go away. Right? So if we're in the dark and we're afraid, but then somebody we know loves us, comes and holds our hand... It's going to be okay. Or before a surgery or something, we're nervous, waiting. But somebody we know loves us, holds our hand, that it's like, it's, it's going to be okay. That I still have to go through with this, but it's going to be okay. That Jesus chooses to come and to hold our hand, if you will. He, he places himself in our hands in the Eucharist. Even the baby Jesus, who to be placed in our hands, but the Eucharist, to be placed in our hands and then on our tongue, so that as we face any fears we have, that we would know that we're not alone, and that we can rely on his strength to get us through. Last story. I was I received an email this week from a woman I know down in Phoenix, and she was writing this blog about how 
When her first child was born, her husband had taken uh, this block of wood, this box, uh, and turned it into a crib and, a, and a, like a rocker. So she could just sit there and with her foot just kind of like gently rock her child to sleep. And it was so small, though, that the baby only fit there till like the baby was like three months old. And so she, she used this with her three different children. And she was kind of reflecting on that and all the, the hopes and dreams she had for her, ch- for her children. But her second child, her son, had a difficult road. That when he was a teenager, unfortunately, he got connected with drugs. And for the next 14 years, he was like in and out of rehab and you know, hitting rock bottom and trying to do it again and just um, continually faltering. And unfortunately, after 14 years of battle, at thir- the age of 33, he, he was on the up, but then he had used cocaine that was laced with fentanyl and it killed him. And she was reflecting back on that, that, that now she was next to a different wooden box. That this wooden box was to, to hold his body as she entrusted this child that she had been given to God. And she reflected on it and thought of all the hopes and dreams she had for this child, but she never knew the, the difficult road that she'd have to go through. And that in choosing to love her child, that it was actually the best thing for her. That the sleepless nights and the worry and the prayers had actually been God's way of working on her. That the family she had been given, even though she felt maybe ashamed or frustrated or disappointed, I don't know, like just human emotions, that in fact the entire time it was God's gift And as she looked back at at her child that she had been given for 33 years, that she looked back with fondness at this gift that God had shared with her, that that this child had taught her the power of unconditional love, that, that it was only with God by her side that she had been able to love this child as he loved him, that this child was the gift and the cause of her own growth. And she wrote this. She said, we learn how to do what all parents must do. Love without limits. Comfort during the pain. Not shrink from the suffering. Give thanks for the gifts our children are to us. Jesus Christ comes as a gift to us today. To be with us in the reality and the mess of our lives to walk with us, to hold our hand, to know that we are not alone, to rely on his strength so that we might have hope that somehow everything that we're facing, everything that's happened to us, is part of his perfect plan. Even in the face of suffering and death, that somehow all is gift, all is saving grace, Our families are the saving gift of God. That we are invited this day to receive Christ into our family, into our lives, in order that they might be saved and us.